The word that I'm preparing this morning was not the word that I have been preparing for this Sunday, but you'll get that in two weeks' time. The Lord has been so specific with me in terms of wanting me to share this word, and I base it around three separate scriptures, and I'll, I'll, I want us to read the word first, the first scripture together, and, uh, and then I'd like to just share the, the appropriateness of this word this morning. So allow us just to come before the Lord, and as I said, I'd like to read God's word. It's from Psalm 91. And uh, as I read it, just allow the Lord just to minister to you, and then I'll, I'd appropriate the word uh, specifically. So I'm reading Psalm 91. It's 16 verses, but it is just an incredible passage. So this is the word of the Lord. He always blesses the reading of his word. So Psalm 91, verse 1 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the the foulest snares and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall to your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will, come, will, overcome, will, will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lions and the cobra. You will trample the great lions and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. And I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Christine and I, in this past week, can share boldly that the promises shared within this specific psalm were true in our lives as we were part of the floods in Slovenia. And I found myself reflecting on the experience and how the Lord was in the midst of everything we were going through. And I specifically found how I was processing these different moments specifically also from my relationship with the Lord. And I felt that God really told me, I need you to share this with the church. Because many of us are going through lots of things at this time. Um, I also know, and this is because I, I know this through my walk with the Lord, that the Lord always blesses when one testifies or proclaims God's promises 
in your reality that you've experienced. When you appropriate God's promises in your life, and you testify it, you say it, you speak it out boldly as you proclaim it, there are things that God breaks through in your own life. Hopelessness, breakthroughs in your areas of your life, things that you've been working through, but also in the lives of those that hear the testimony. I say this so boldly because I believe that God's word says that clearly to us. In, 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 the, in a passage in Revelations, which I'll share shortly, there's a passage where the angels are speaking about the, the, the battle that we are dealing with in our age, uh, which we, the saints, the role that we play in this battle. And it is declared by the angels, but it is specifically spoken over all of us. And the word is found in Revelations 12, verse 11, and it's spoken like this. I know it out of the King James, but I've, I've got it in the ESV. It says, and he will overcome, or in this case, he will, he will, and they will conquer him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they will not love their lives even unto death. What this passage is saying is that they, that's us, saints, we will overcome him who is him, it's Satan. And there's two things that is required. There's the, the fact that we need to have appropriated, we have to believe in the blood of Jesus that we proclaim through communion, that we've shared with one another, and then that we've testified of what God is doing in our lives. And there is things that are, are broken, there are things that are lifted, and it's with that sense that I knew that God says, I want you to share this, because as I testify this, and it is a vulnerability in it, and I said to myself, I'm not going to cry, so I'm going to not cry, <laughs> but God has been good to us. And uh, I know that as I share this, there is things that it's going to be a bit uh, raw, but I, 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 I anticipate God using those as well. So what I'd like to do really is just, firstly, just factually share with you what happened. And then I'd like to just share with you how there's specific moments, how these words that we've just read in Psalms 91 and two other specific scriptures um, have been so real to me and my wife as we dealt with it. So, so here are the facts. On the 4th of August, at 5 in the morning, uh, we were in a valley in Slovenia, next to the Slovenia River, in a camping site, wonderful camping site. We spent two weeks in Slovenia. We've had the most amazing time. We've met the most amazing people. We were going to leave early the next morning and go back via Austria to Switzerland. We knew it was going to rain, so we kind of learned from the beginning of our holiday that you pack up everything before it rains, so you don't have to pack up while you're busy trying to get going. And at five in the morning, we had a bang on our window, and uh, we were told that we need to get up, get, get, get the car, and move it as close to the camping building, which was about from me to the back of the church, from us, um, because the flood is busy happening, and uh, the, the river is busy rising rapidly. My first response was, can't we just drive out? We've, we've actually got everything ready. And the, and the answer was, no, the road that's above the camping site has already been washed away. The floodwaters is rising rapidly. And when we got out the car, the water was just over our, our shoes. Um, we managed to briefly just move the car a little bit forward. There was a whole lot of other campers and guys that had already been kind of positioning themselves in front of the building. Uh, we made the decision in that moment. And they said to us, move your car as close as possible and seek refuge uh, from, from the river. And uh, the majority, almost all the people, seek refuge inside the camping building. Um, but at that stage, we, we made the decision, Christine and I, that we were not going to 
try and find. The river was about this stage at this end. The, the bottom floor of the building was already, people were moving to the top floor. And so we decided to take a leash and tie it to ourselves. And then we, we decided to wade through the river, this muddy river, to uh, the embankments that were on the side. It's about 20, 30 meters high. The village was on top of that. And we held on to one another, and we got our way, made our way through this river. And then we climbed up onto the other bank, and we got onto the embankment. And there was truly a sense of peace, but anxiety at the same moment. Because as we were looking down, um, there was uh, one van that was next to ours, which had two beautiful big dogs in, and a German lady, and she refused to leave the dogs. Uh, we would see, we'd seen the, the river was rising rapidly. Uh, on our little our van, um, um, the kind of alarm went off as the water rised over the, over, the, over, the, over the tires and over the hubcaps, and it made us final little beeps, and we were kind of realizing that's about it. That's probably the last time we see it. People in the campsite were all inside the building, um, and another camper van to the left of our car kind of just rose up, started floating with a, with a caravan and floated past our car and crashed and went down the river. So it was really chaos. But in that moment, the first thing we did as we watched all of this is we just prayed. And I didn't, we didn't pray anything specifically. We, we gave God just thanks that we were relatively safe. We prayed for that lady in the car and those two dogs. We also prayed for our car. <laughs> and we, um, we just, it was really raw. The next thing I did was I managed to take my phone. Oh, yes, just to give you some idea. So we were sopping wet. My wife didn't have shoes on. I didn't have my glasses. I was using my wife's glasses. <laughs> um, and I phoned Micah, and I said to Micah, we are safe. We in the, I'm not in immediate danger at the moment. I asked her to tell her sisters. I then phoned Piet, and I shared it with him, and he said he'd pray. And, and, um, and then, then I SMSed about four or five other people that I just asked to pray for me in that moment. And uh, what happened next was the fireman came down from the, from the embankment and then instructed us to, to go up the embankment and then work our way along the road into the village to the fire brigade. And we decided there and then that we're not going to wait and, and watch the car go. We're going to just work our way up and climb on, onto the road and then work our way into the, into the village. And it's really at this moment that I can honestly say God just showed me in an incredible, tangible way that he was with us. So... I need to just give you some of a backstory around this. So over the last four months, um, I've been just daily listening to the Psalms. There's a band called Shane and Shane that have put a lot of the Psalms to, to music. And uh, I find myself just making time to listen to one of these and then just reflect on it. It's just absolutely wonderful, God's Word into the so of the Psalms. And so over these four months, I've been kind of singing that in my heart. Psalm 91 is one of those verses. It's a beautiful song. Um, but in addition to that, I have one brother, a friend of mine, who used to be part of Lyft, and he's moved back to his home country. And him and I kind of get together in the week, early one morning, every week. And then we just phone each other, and we share with one another all that's happening in our lives, with our families, just briefly, what we're concerned about, what's happening in our work. And then we pray together. And I can honestly say over these months that we would pray the promises that, that we've just read into specific situations into our lives. And so that's the backstory. So as we were walking up this road, dropping wet, locking along, not sure where the fire brigade was, I got one SMS back from this friend of mine. 
And all he said was, Ken, I'm praying. And he just copy-pasted Psalm 91 into my phone. And uh, it, was, it was just an incredible moment because I, I just had the sense of peace that just came over me, just the sense of the Lord is with me because some of these, these promises just kind of flooded into my heart because everything was just so vulnerable. And so basically... These are the, what I'm about to share is just how some of those promises kind of just settled into my heart as I was dealing with all of these things. Because they were, they were not just a transactional thing that you've read. God had been preparing my heart with these words. And some of these promises just spoke right into the situation. It didn't change the fact that we were still completely vulnerable. But there was a sense of God with me. So, for instance, the first three verses, the first three verses of, 90, of Psalm 91 read like this. They say, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And then this is the proclamation that the person who's writing the psalm says. And I knew that to be true as I just said it to the Lord in this vulnerable moment. I said, I will say to the Lord that He's my refuge and my fortress. I didn't see that in that moment. But I knew that as I said that, the promise that the Lord says after that is, surely He will save me. And it just was real, friends. It was so, it's just, it was alive to me. So there was like a wonderful sense of God's promise of just speaking into my life into that moment. A second one that just blew me away, but honestly, this one really only, I could honestly say, reflect, I could only appropriate it really afterwards when I was preparing the message. Um, I knew it, but I didn't, I didn't read it then. I just scanned through it, but Thinking of it now, it just so shows me again how he was so specific for me. And that's found in verses 10, 11, and 12. I just want to read them again to you um, because they're so profound. He says, No harm will over overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. Just that verse alone, when I, when I thought about it afterwards, and I thought about the disaster we were facing, and I realized that you know we did not get swept away like others did. We didn't, our tent was not washed away. He protected me. That promise was true for me, even although I didn't really read it there when I was walking to the village. But afterwards, when I was kind of ministering to myself, when I read it out of, when we were at the, at the fire brigade and that, I just realized, God, this is true for me. And then the next one was profound, because I knew this happened to my, my wife and I. Because the word says this, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift up their hands so that, they, that, you, will not, they, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Now, I have this image in my heart because I need to give you some perspective. This raging river that split around the building and we went to the left and it required us to cross a piece of about, I'd say, between me and that pillar. And it was just this huge gully of river. It wasn't even. It was all brown and there was all kinds of things that naturally were floating by and stuff. And I just had this picture in my mind afterwards. And I know I'm going to do this. One day in heaven, I'm going to speak to those angels. and I'm going to ask them, what did they do? What did they raise their hands and protect us from? I know there was a factory of logs. We heard about the metric tons that just got washed away down this valley. Um, it was so much that I know that God has done just to protect us. And I know that happened to us because um, the, the rest of the camp would not cross the river because they said it was too dangerous. 
And uh, God did that to us. And I know that promise to be true in my life. Because it was seriously dangerous. But we just didn't think about it at that stage. And we, we did it. And, um, but I knew when I read this, this I'm, I'm appropriating God's word. And I'm testifying to you of the, of the realness of God's promises in our lives. And then the other, the last one I want to share specifically out of Psalm 91 um, is a really profound one. And I want to trust that for all of you in this building, all of you who had communion with us today, this is true for you. And if you don't remember anything, this promise is for you. Because I know knew this to be true in my life. And the Lord confirmed it in, in a beautiful way as well. So it's the, it's the verses 14 and 15. And they read as follows. And God is speaking about you and me when he says this. He says, because he loves me, because you love him, the Lord says, I will rescue you. I will rescue me. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. For all of us in this building, that promise is so real in all the things we do. If you've never known this promise, friends, cling on to it when you need to be rescued. Declare it with your heart. Lord, I love you. I have acknowledged you. I can trust in you. You will rescue me from whatever you're dealing with. I knew this to be true as we were facing all of these things. He, he ends that in verse 15, and, 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 and he says this. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. And now I'm going to get quite personal because it's quite something for, for you to realize how God works in my life. So I bolded that, and I think you've seen it there. I will deliver him. Uh, sorry, let me just make sure I'm on the right verse. I will be with him in trouble. That piece there that I want to just highlight, verse 15. It's up in here. I will be with him in trouble. So I need to just give you another little backstory. There's a, there's a lady in the church. She's been visiting her daughter for three months. I met her briefly on the first day when her daughter introduced her to me, and we hadn't really spoken, uh, but at the beginning of the, of the summer, uh, this lady sought me out after the service, and she spoke a prophetic word over me. She looked me in the eye, and she said, can I have a word from you from the Lord? And her words were as follows. She said, the Lord is pleased with what you and Christine are doing, and he will be with you in what you're about to face. Right? That's what she said. Now, usually when someone speaks a prophetic word over your life, it's quite important that you do three things. For me, these are the three things I do. And I think the one thing you have to do, one thing is more personal. The one is that you always need to ask the Lord. I always accept the, the prophetic, but then I, I ask the Lord to discern it through his word. And I would make my time when I'm reading the Bible and just trusting if God will point in my heart that this is the truth. People sometimes speak prophetically or think they speak prophetically and it's not from God, but you got to first allow that because when you say something prophetically, you need to know that takes a lot of courage. Because when you say, this is what God said, I don't want to be the person who says that and that's not what God said because God is a mighty God. So I accept the prophetic, but I ask the Lord to discern this word with me. Now, for me personally, over this period, I hadn't seen, and I mean I read my word and I, I haven't seen that God had confirmed anything with me, but when I prepared the message... And I read this specific verse, and specifically this verse, I knew God was saying, here's the confirmation, Ken. 
The second thing that I always do when someone shares a prophetic word with me, it's Ken-specific, so I don't want to put this as a doctrine. But whenever, it's not often, but when people share a prophetic word with me, usually God is trying to encourage me because I'm about to go through something. Because I always know, okay, whew, that means I need to just know that I need to be strong because things are going to get a bit tough in my life. And so I knew, I, I, I own that as a reality. It's not something that God just does to be nice to one. He, if you're walking with Him, He needs to encourage you as He did to Joseph and many others because things don't just go easy. And so I knew that. And then thirdly, it's just a basic principle of the prophetic, is that if it's from God, then God will let it happen. You don't have to try and orchestrate it. And I really rest in that. And so why is this so personal for me? Because firstly, it mentioned my wife and me together. And I didn't find any other situation that, that, that kind of tied that together. But when I read this and I reflected on it, I knew the Lord was saying, that's what I'm preparing you for. That prophetic word was to encourage you because he is pleased with what I'm doing and he's going to be with us through this trouble. And it was such a, such a sense of resting in God because that's what God does. He breaks into our lives and he lets us know because he's, he loves us like we love our children and he cares for us. And I really needed that in this space. Um, so yeah, th those were just some of the promises in Psalm 91 that God in amazing ways, in the midst of our despair, spoke directly into my life. And it really encouraged me as I was dealing with things. The second one that I'd like to share is also been absolutely profound for us as a, as, as a husband and wife. And I'll share the scripture now, but I want to just give you a bit of backstory. So we walk into the village, and we get to the fire station. There's a bit of a car park in front, and there's a whole lot of people standing there, Slovenian people standing. And we were kind of like the first, because the rest of the people, it's there was one other guy from Bulgaria who I saw crossing the river about 10 minutes before us, and that's why I had courage to do it. And he had his bicycle with him. So that guy just needs to be, he was, a, he was amazing. So anyway, we, we get there, and um, the la one of the ladies says to us, would you like a blanket, and you would like something hot? And we both say yes. And uh, there was, there was Slovenian people speak very good English. And the lady looked at us, and the mother looked at us. And then the mother looked at the daughter, and the mother said, come with me, in her broken English, the older mother. And so we went with her, and she, they stayed just very close to the fire brigade. And they took us in, they clothed us, they gave us something warm to eat, and for the, they just served us in incredible ways. They didn't accept any kind of, they just, didn't, they just served us. Um, I mean, I didn't even have underpants on. And uh, they just blessed me with everything. Um, and they just were so incredibly serving. It, it didn't stop there. Um, when we were, we, we, they, so many things that they did for us. For instance, we, we um, I didn't meet the, the, the dad because he was one of the fire brigade guys. Until that afternoon later, when the river had subsided, the men went down to the valley to go and rescue and kind of get every car and van and caravan out of the valley and make a road because the next flood was happening that evening. So all these men and, and us camping people were in this valley, and they were on their knees digging out cars, starting cars, and I didn't even know that it was their dad, but he was kind of organizing, and he's also the mechanic, so um, they just served us in incredible ways. The other thing that happened was when we could salvage things, our car got out, it got towed out, it didn't get washed away, but it was 
deep in the mud inside the car, but it was still in one piece and didn't get banged up or anything. But it didn't start. And they towed our car out, and we could salvage some of the things. And two of the things was our Bibles were in the bottom compartments of the, of the van, of the bus. And of course, they were completely full of mud. And we took things out, but these things were really precious to us. And so we, they had a, a room outside. It was like a pizza oven, and all the fire brigade guys used to put their, 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 their fire gear there, and then they'd swap them out, and it'd be warmed up. And so they would see that we were trying to fix our Bibles. And I noticed how the daughter and, and, the, and the mother and the people watched us doing this. And um, that evening we were together. I did take the liberty when we just got there just to pray for us as, as they gave us a breakfast with some of the people there. But that evening we were with the whole family. And I realized this family there, they had a cross in the room. And then the grandfather reached out to me and said, will you pray for us? And something just dawned on me. These people loved the Lord. And they kept saying, we just, you know, we we would, it's not about, it's just we know we need to serve you. And that's why this scripture from Matthew chapter 25, I heard it in my heart over and over and over again. And I want to just read it. And um, this is what the Lord says in Matthew chapter 25, verses um, 35 to 40. He says, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I can testify to each one of those things. I was naked, I can testify to that, and you clothed me. And we were sick, the rest of it is not really relevant to us, but I was sick and you visited me, I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous man will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and, and, and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and you clothed me? And when did you see you sick or in prison and visit you? And this is it. And the king will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did to the one of, of the least of these, my brother, you did to me. We were one of those least, and we saw Jesus in a tangible way. For two days they gave up one of the rooms to us. They even kind of risked their things to try and find a way to get us to the airport when TCS said they could pay for our flights because it was still a disaster scenario. So most of the roads were blocked off or washed away. And they, through the fire brigade, found out from the police how to drive over this mountain, through that valley, around these things. And they got us to the airport. And then it doesn't stop either, because two days later, the sun comes out. And they start sending us photos where they took our car and they washed out all the mud. I can't explain how we've been blessed by this family. And, um, and I just want to express my love. What has it done for me? It's shown me what I would like to do for somebody if God ever gives me that opportunity. And it really blessed me because these words are true. That I experienced Jesus through their hands and their love for us. And this verse just kept coming to me from the moments to moments as they, as they served us. Tangible way in which God showed us that he was with us in the midst of this chaos. The final one I'd like to share is also found in one of the psalms that I've been singing often, and it's so in my heart. It's in a beautiful song, and it's a very famous psalm. It's Psalm 23. And um, so over these four months, I guess this is the one psalm that the Lord has ministered to me in such a real, real way. There's one or two people in the church that when I've had to pray for them, I felt the Lord give me boldness in faith to pray into their situations with the same 
word that I would be ministered to out of Psalm 23. So this psalm was so real as I could hear it in certain of these moments. I'm going to read Psalm 23. It's not long. It's six verses. And, um, and just allow it to just speak to you before I actually share and appropriate the word and testify about it to you. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And this is the two verses, four and five, that have just been speaking to me personally. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And it goes on to say, Surely the goodness and the mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I need to be brutally honest with you that I had to speak this in faith into my life during times when we were in this situation. There's a one thing about getting to a place, but there's this thing about waiting. The river's still rising. You're on top of this valley. You can see the river. You know that your car is somewhere down the river. And then I know this to be true. But this is the accusations and the flaming arrows and the accusations that I've cast on myself. Going through my normal engineering risk brain, why didn't I do this? Why did I not get us to move the car just a little bit to the, to the left because that, that area was not hit by, the, by the, the river? Why did I not take out this and this out of the car when we were about to leave? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do and I, and you get And I started going into that spiral of, of doubt, of just feeling upset with myself. And I needed this word... I needed to preach this word to myself in these moments. As the water was still staying high, as I didn't know where our car was, as I didn't understand what happened to those dogs and things at that stage, I just speak this truth into my mouth. Lord, you say in your word that you're walking with me through this. You say there, as I walk with you through this. I've shared that in, in love to others as well. I speak that into my heart. And that it was, I, I needed to really appropriate that into my own situation, specifically that um, he is with me, but I'm going through the valley. This is such a prophetic word. It says it's not that he's going to be just there with you. He's walking through it. And I needed to say, Lord, I know you're going to walk us through it. I don't understand how and what we're going to do, but you are going to walk through this with me. But the doubts and the things, it's easy to go down into that route of, of despair and, and just whipping oneself. For the decisions you made, uh, which you could have done better, better with. The second verse is where it really gets profound. And all I can do is just give God the glory. Because the word says that Jesus goes and prepares a table before me in the midst of my enemies. And friends, I have this picture of Jesus preparing a table. But, I, but it's a different table to our, our physical tables. But I have this image in my head when I think of a table of what my wife does when we're about to have dinner. And the way she prepares the table, and there's, she's put things out in a certain way. She's it's prepared with love, and there's specific dishes. And as we walk in, and then you know, she'll open this bowl, and then you just smell this, and you get this newness of what she's prepared for us. Um, and, and, and that same thing, I have this image of what God is doing for us as he prepares 
Remember, he's walked through the valley, and then he prepares things for us. And what I realized for me personally was that, you know, I thought I could think what God wants for us, what God wants to happen for us. And I had ideas of what God is doing and what he's going to do for us in this situation. But we have no idea. We really have no idea because God's purpose and plans and his, for his glory and his, his majesty is just so much greater. You see, and I have to share this with you. This is something so profound. Why this, his table and his purposes are so unique and so all towards his glory. Two days before this all happened, we were washing our dishes at the communal washing up place, um, which you do in a camping area. And of course, you look out over all these other campers and you look at the things that they have in their camping vans and you think, mm, we should get that because that enables us to have coffee on hand or whatever it is. And we were washing our dishes and there was a, a, a Dutch couple, that van was parked a little bit away, and they were about to have dinner. And as they were about to have dinner, they, they took one another's hand and they started praying. And it just encouraged me. We'd been through two weeks of being in this wonderful country, but so many people, so many people that don't know the Lord, not seeing any Christian really, finding it just heavy to realize that the amount of people that are just lost in space. And, um, and it was such an encouragement for me to see these, this couple that were praying for their meal. And um, I didn't say anything to them, and we carried on. And what happened was, I needed to say this to you. So there were three cars that were really kaput. It was our car, this couple's car, and another little Spanish couple who had a little uno that was completely washed and broken. The three of us were parked in a certain area. And of course, when I was thinking, going through this, this, this frustration, I did say this to the Lord. Lord, why is it that our car doesn't work? You know, of all the cars, why is it that our car doesn't work? I mean... I understand that we, but there's, of all the 33 cars, our, well, two of them were washed down the river, but there was my heart, you know, that was what I was really saying to God. So there we were, the three cars are standing on the top, we get there, now after everything, now we want to salvage a few things to take with down in the plane, we can't take too much, and, and Christine and I are busy working through the things that we can take through that is not that muddy, and I see the couple is also next to us in their van, and they holding on to one another, and they've just taken a few things that they can salvage. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, you need to encourage them. So I walked, as they were walking past, I walked up to them, and I just said, I just want to encourage you, because two days ago, we saw that you were, you were praying before your meal, and I know that you are brothers and sisters in Christ, and I wanted to tell you that you encouraged me. And the lady just started crying, and she just said, this is such an incredible... Um, I mean, it just encouraged her. But then she shared with us that they were on this trip and the husband was going to ha have a very serious operation within 25 days. And, um, and this was kind of like a, a last holiday that they were going on. And their car was absolutely not going to move anywhere. It was completely kaput. And so we ended up praying for one another. We held on to one another and we prayed for each other. We even prayed for her, for her husband um, for the operation, and it was just an incredible moment where God just, you know, reminded me, you know, my boy, if your car wasn't broken down like that, you would never have had this moment to be with this family and to encourage this family and to, and then since then, of course, you know, a few things happen, and this is where it gets so incredibly God, 
Um, the next day we were on the plane, and I, and I felt the Lord clearly, clearly tell me, Ken, I want you to pray for this man every day until the operation. So I started praying for him. And so I sent him a message, and all I said is, uh, his name is Ardian, um, and I said, I hope I pronounced it right from our Netherlands family, and I just said, Arnjan, I want you to know that every day, this is Arnjan, I'm going to be praying for you. And he immediately responded. I didn't know the details. He responded. He said, thank you, Ken, for praying for me. On the 28th of August, there is an operation on my, on my kidney cancer. I lost my other kidney in a medical failure of uh, colon cancer in 2006. So it is risky. But we are carried by the hand of God. Let us trust in Him. Now that is when the, when the Lord that we serve lets me understand, Ken, you just got to worship Him. Because if that's what it means, this is what it's about, friends. 